The Book Nook on WYSO is presented by the Greene County Public Library, with additional support from Clark County Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, Tip City Public Library, Washington Centerville Public Library, and Wright Memorial Public Library. Hello, welcome to the Book Nook on WYSO. I'm Vic McCunis. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the program today, Roz Chast. She joins us on the telephone in, uh, are you in Connecticut? Yes, that's right. Welcome back to the show, Roz. Oh, happy to be here. You know what I'm thinking right now, Roz? Uh, no. I, I'm thinking I must be dreaming because I have you on the phone. <laughs> well, then I guess I'm dreaming too. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well, then I guess we're in, in good condition to talk about your new book. It's called I Must Be Dreaming. Yes. I yes. thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I understand that you used to have a dream journal when you were a teenager. Yes. Yes. I've, I've always been interested in dreams since I was a kid. Uh, and, you know, periodically in my life, I've kept dream journals and and get tired of it, and then pick it up again, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you keep a, a notepad by the bed, just in case you have yeah. an interesting dream, or, or maybe a cartoon idea? Yes, yes. And so this book is a collection of dream uh, stuff that, that you remembered, that you wanted to yeah. share. Yeah, yeah, there, it's... Um, sort of a combination of actual dreams that I grew up, I guess, cartoonified, uh, if that's a word, and uh, also uh, a brief, um, uh, just brief descriptions of various dream theories um, I ran into when I was researching the book because, you know, I think the jury is still out. People, since they, you know, started being conscious of their thoughts and started writing have wondered what dreams were. I mean, there's dream books, you know, dating back to Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans and people had different theories of why we dreamed and what they meant. And, uh, you know, all the way, of course, through, you know, Freud and Jung. And now there are a lot of scientific sort of theories for this. Um, uh, it's, you know, no, I, I never really wanted to come to some, I didn't put the book together because I needed to find out some definitive answer. I just really am interested in dreams, and sometimes my dreams seem very funny to me, so I wanted to draw them up. Mm. Well, the last time we had you on the show was for your book, Can We Talk About Something More Pleasant, which remains one of my all-time favorite books. And I know we have listeners out there who are aware of you, who are familiar with you, uh, who see your cartoons in the New Yorker magazine, and, and you've been in there for years. But for our listeners out there who aren't aware of who you are, who are you? Uh, I am a longtime cartoonist for the New Yorker. Uh, that's um, Sometimes I uh, make books. Mm-hmm. Um Draw, right? Uh-huh. And 
I'm going to guess, based on my reading of this new book, that you have a, a routine that you have since you're, you're putting out cartoons every week and, and come up with ideas, trying to think of, of cartoons, that you have a, a set routine where, let's say on Monday, you say, okay, I'm just going to sit down on Monday and I'm just going to brainstorm this. Um, it's, it's something like that. I mean, all of us, you know, Cartoons for the New Yorker, it's a weekly magazine. We're on a weekly schedule and um, we all submit a group of drawings every week. Um, you know, I write stuff down during the week, but I like, I think, the pressure of a deadline. Mm -hmm. So I have all these pieces of paper that I, you know, I don't draw them up until Monday. Um, but I kind of collect all of my scraps of paper and my ideas and go through them and start drawing and putting stuff together. If I don't have deadlines, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I, I just like I can put it off. But if I have a hard deadline, I get it done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I think without a deadline, you know, you can just endlessly revise something, uh -huh. uh, and um, a deadline sort of forces you to say, "This is as good as it's going to get." And now I'm going to go on to the next thing. Mm. Uh, you know, you don't just like take a sentence and, oh, I don't know. It's kind of like um, that one of the problems I have with something like Photoshop is that it's so easy to make these minute adjustments, um, you know, to color or whatever, uh, that if I had no deadline, it would be easy to just spend your life, the rest of your life on you know, not even one drawing, but on, like, deciding what color somebody's shirt should be. You have one in here. Once again, I have lost my purse. Is that really a recurring yeah. dream for you? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I think many of, you know, the most common, I, I mean, do you have, like, two streams and, you know, loss of teeth and then not finding your wallet or not finding your, you know, your keys or, uh -huh. uh, you know, they're, they're, um, or the, I just, one dream I have a lot. And I know a lot of people who do that, like being back in high school and you don't know your schedule and, you know, or you're taking a test. I haven't had too many of the test ones, but definitely that business of being back in high school and not having, you know, one schedule and not knowing where you're supposed to go uh, is, you know, recurrent. And I don't know why, you know, even within the dream, sometimes I'll say, wait a minute, I graduated from high school a long time ago. This is not making any sense. I don't need to do this. And you would think, you know, that would be the end of that. Um, but, uh, but no. Mm. <laughs> um, do you wake you know, up? I'll just have that. Sometimes, uh -huh. you know, sometimes not. Uh -huh. But Well, when I have dreams that are completely ridiculous, I sometimes will have that thought, oh, wait a minute, this is completely unacceptable. I am dreaming. I'm going to stop it yes. right now, and I wake up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's called lucid dreaming, when mm. you become aware in a dream that you're dreaming. And sometimes... I've had those dreams and it wakes me up and sometimes I've had those dreams and I just kind of keep going. It's like, uh, especially if it's something where 
uh, I'm being chased or something and I'm on top of the building. And then in the dream, I'll say, I'm dreaming so I can just jump off this building and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I do. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that state is. Uh It's just so peculiar and, uh, and yet so common because we all do this every night, you know, go into the strange state of consciousness and there's different, you know, types of flying there's the sort of levitation until you're like level with treetops or higher uh-huh. and then there's the you know sort of swimming down the street sort of thing or floating down you know stairs uh-huh. or upstairs uh yeah it's very strange those are you know, fun and it feels, yeah they are fun uh-huh. they are fun yeah I, I know people that claim they don't have flying dreams and i always kind of feel sorry for them no, maybe they just don't remember them. I have friends who say, "Oh, I never dream," and I always think, uh, "No, you probably dream." But mm. you know, the the thing is, if you and this happens to me a lot. Like, I'll wake up, and if I don't write the dream down, I'll it'll evaporate, and then later in the day, something. It's like I kind of see it out of the corner of my eye, and I think it was something about an elevator. What was it? And it just vanishes and sometimes that's annoying especially if i have the sense that it was a very interesting dream Hmm. you have a section in here uh, celebrity dreams and it opens yeah with with, uh, a dream uh, with a guy in it who just died uh, a guy who is not one of my favorite people and if i had a dream about him i i would call it a nightmare henry kissinger your book your dreams kissinger plus dentistry equals why (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean, what, why Henry Kissinger? This was before he died, of course, in uh-huh. this dream. Uh, I have a lot of dentist dreams. I think that's also pretty common, um, or at least tooth dreams are. Uh, maybe because there's something about like going to the dentist that's sort of dreamish. Mm. I don't know, the way you're like lying back in that chair, and you're sort of very vulnerable and... Uh, I don't know. There's something sort of surreal about it. And they're like messing around with all these like creepy tools in your mouth. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very weird. You seem to uh, have a lot of dreams with celebrities in them. I'm impressed. I thought like mostly people kind of do dream about celebrities. I mean, I, there, it, it's a, I, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is unusual. I have no idea. Um, you know, and they're not even celebrities that I think about that much. I mean, that's, but Freud had this wonderful term for like, uh, called day residue, hmm. uh, which is, you know, when, when some little tiny aspect of something that you didn't think that you noticed during the day um, will go into your unconscious and come out in your dream. It's like, maybe I was watching TV and there was an ad for uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, uh and they briefly showed uh, Danny DeVito and maybe that's, you know, why he was in my dream. I I don't remember that consciously, but, you know, that's, I I like that term, day residue. And the next thing you know, he's gazing up at you in adoration. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, I... This, the, I had a very funny experience after uh, that 
cartoon was published where um, this was, I don't know, I guess it was at the beginning of November and, or maybe it was even, no, at the end of October. It was with, after the book came out and um, I was doing uh, uh, a radio interview at WNYC in the city in New York. And um, I was waiting for my turn to go in and it turned out that the person who was being interviewed before me was Danny DeVito. Oh, no. And, yeah, it was really funny. And I was with somebody, and he was with a few of his, you know, people and whatnot. And um, he was made aware that he was in my book. And um, he read it, and he really liked it. And he hugged me, and he signed the book, um, Oh, How Nice. No, oh, so nice, Danny. DeVito, love Danny DeVito, and um, uh, it was just very dreamlike kind of uh, encounter. It was really sweet, really great, funny. That is fabulous. My guest is yeah, Ross. My guest is Ross Chess. We're talking about our new book, I Must Be Dreaming. You're listening to the Book Nook on ninety one point three WYSO, fact based journalism and service of democracy. I uh, have I've been told I have kind of a warped sense of humor. So, so I laughed at, you have some stuff in here that, actually my favorite, okay, this is show, shows you how warped my sense of humor is. My favorite cartoon is To Save Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorites too. <laughs> I, I love that. That is so demented. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of demented. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you either uh, take my drool or die. It's uh, you know it's it's you know up up to that person. Uh yeah. But, and, yeah. And when I saw what you called it, I flashed on that. What was it? A Twilight Zone or an Outer Limits where the aliens have a, a book and it's to serve humans or something, and and the the humans think that they're there to to help them. Oh. Yeah, to, to serve man, and it's actually a cook, it's a cookbook. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's what I that's thought of when, when I saw your caption. I thought of that. Yeah, and and then we yeah. go go right into food dreams. Yeah, straight from there to yeah. to serve man. Yeah, to serve man. Mm-hmm. That's very funny. <laughs> hey, how do you like man? Rare, medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. These are very yeah. funny. I, I can tell you had a lot of fun with these. It was, yes. It's dreams are just, uh, well, you just kind of, um, you can think anything in your dream because, I, I, you know, one of my alternative titles was dreams are weird and they're not my fault. Um, uh-huh. You know, because it's just, you don't have any control over it. I mean, I'm sure there's people on the Internet who will tell you, how to, you know, optimize your dreams or whatever. But um, I think part of what I like is that they just go where they're going to go. Your uh, book, Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant, was written about um, your parents and, and their last days and your reflections on that and experiences with them. And and I see that they uh, surface again in your book because you have dreams about them. and yeah. I, I was struck by that because my parents have been gone for a long time, and if I dream about them, 
they're never in the, in the same room. They're, they're, I can hear them talking in another room. I don't see them, whereas you, you actually see them. And, and I'm not going to analyze my dreams, but I wonder about that because I wonder why I never see them. Huh. That's interesting. I, you know, I'm not an analyst. I don't know, but that's that's very interesting because I do see my parents. Yeah, there's one surprise visit where you see your dad as a skeleton. I love this. Yep. I love I love the concept of this. Did this really come to you like that in the dream? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're all. Uh, you know, so I have uh, some friends, and sometimes we tell tell each other our dreams, and um, one of my sources for this book was being able to go into, you know, Google search and put in dream Mm. and read the dreams that I had written, um, had already written down to friends. And, you know, this was one of them. Oh, you have a a dream in here where, I don't know if it's a dream, you're you're talking about what your mind was like when you were 16. You talk about the first time you took LSD. And you have a cousin who says, we're awake, but we're all in the same dream. Yeah. And yep. that experience, it changes a person's mind, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um, I'm kind of uh, grateful for it uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Did you read the? How under- about you? Did you read the underground comics back in the day? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think I sort of ran into them when I was about thirteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. That that was a big part of the experience for me, and and I had favorites like R. Crumb and um, Gilbert Sheldon. They, those are some of my favorites. And then I discovered the New Yorker, and yeah. I think my favorite back in the day was Gay and Wilson, because once again, I have a very disturbed sense of humor. Oh, Gay, and he was the greatest. I love Gay and Wilson stuff. Did you ever read his, um, in the funny pages in uh, National Lampoon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Nuts, I think it was called. It was kind of like his own take on Peanuts. Uh Uh-huh. And it was just, uh, it was just a little bit darker, even, I think, than... um, than Charles Schultz. I just loved him. And oh. he was a great guy, too. Mm-hmm. So, so you got um, to know got him to a little bit? Little... Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. I did at the New Yorker. And, um, you know, it was funny because I just grew up just sort of in awe of him and how wonderful he was. And, you know, just uh, kind of, um, you know, in the gory Charles Adams kind of uh, Sam Gross, mm-hmm. and that kind of humor, which was I just found so appealing, and you know, just really, really, really funny, and and dark, and but but dark and funny, and uh, yeah. What, wasn't Gross the one who did the couple in the restaurant, and the frog comes up to them? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is unbelievably brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He was very wonderful, brilliant cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And of course, Charles Adams. I, I think oh, yeah. I mentioned this to you the last time we talked. I had Brendan Gill on many, many years ago, and he talked about going to the 
the service for Charles Adams, which I think they had at the New York Public Library. Wow. And, and, and Charles Adams, like, put out quite the spread. And, of course, <sighs> Brendan appreciated that. <laughs> well, well. Yeah. So, James Thurber, if I, if I go way back in the New Yorker archives, I think he's the first one that really hit me. Well, his stuff was very uh, idiosyncratic and personal. You know, he had such a distinct comic voice and style. He was another one of the greats. Mm-hmm. What kind of a reaction have you been getting to the book? You've been out on tour, I know. Uh, yes, yes, a very positive. It's been on a lot of, you know, best books of the year lists. And um, so I'm glad that people are getting um, a kick out of it, you know, because it's, it's a... Uh, we all dream, and I, I think there's something about dreaming, maybe the absurd aspect of it that can sometimes be very funny. So um, I'm always looking for that, I guess. Uh, I suppose you've had people come up to you and confess their dreams to you. That probably gets a little intense. Um, sometimes, but, mm. you know, it it is kind of, you know, that cliche of like, nobody wants to hear you, about your dreams, your aches and pains. And I don't know. I mean, as long as somebody isn't a monopolist, uh, I don't mind those topics. I'd rather hear about that than somebody's exercise routine or, <laughs> yeah. you know, their, what improvements they're doing to their house or, yeah, you know, that kind of junk. You'd much rather hear about their weird dream? Uh, yeah, their weird dreams. And, like, I don't know. And then we're putting in, we're going to, like, do the drop ceiling in the kitchen, and we're getting new knobs for the drawers. And, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, God, yeah. shut up. <laughs> so. And another one of my favorites is a, a close call. And, uh, <sighs> We we all have those people, don't we? Where we see them on the street, and we're like, oh, you, you like pull your coat over your face, you duck into a yeah. doorway. Yeah, yeah. Is this the one where the person I see that person and like I don't want to see them? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know there are those people that you just feel kind of, and you feel very guilty about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've never done anything wrong. It's not like you have a real reason for, but uh, like, if anything, you're the one who has wronged them, you know, because you're not responding to their emails or whatever it is. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny and it has plenty of, of, uh, Gross ones that I appreciated, like the one with Glenn Close. I mean, this is just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> a friend of mine told me, like, spiders don't have proboscis or whatever those, Ew. you know, little, they don't have those things that stick. But in my dream, they did. Uh huh. You know, she had spiders all over her in this dream for people listening and uh, little teeny ones just all over. And they were like, ugh, just 
do you, do kind you, of horrified. Do you find, Roz, that you have recurring dreams in the same locations all the time that you, you don't have dreams in other locations, just certain places where, where you keep going back to some place, like maybe a, a school or a job or something a long time ago? Do you, do you find that where they recur in yeah. the same locations? Yeah, I do. I do have that. Um, I, For some reason... I have had many dreams about uh, hidden, like, unknown areas of Manhattan, mm. um, like a beach in Midtown. I've had that dream a few times, or uh, just, uh, but I think some of it is, it's kind of like um, those dreams of your, your apartment has this whole wing that you didn't know about. It, it's just the lack of space, maybe, and... Uh, so you're just constantly fantasizing about more space, a little more space, mm. which maybe there's there's fewer of those kinds of dreams in Ohio. But, you know, it's a pretty common uh, waking and dreaming fantasy if you live in, in New York. Uh, I have recurring dreams where I'm back in this boarding school that I went to in Delaware, but I never graduated. I left after my uh, sophomore year and went to a public school. And so I have these recurring dreams where I'm my current age and they've let me go back there to try to get graduated. And and I'm with well, all I'm with all these kids that are teenagers and they're all looking at me like, gosh, you believe this old guy he's going out for the football team? This is bizarre. <laughs> That sounds very familiar. I, I think that's kind of a uh, a motif, and I not that dream, but versions of that dream. And I know many people have of being back in your old school uh-huh. for some reason. And I guess maybe for you, it's uh, maybe it has something to do with it feeling like this this path was not completed. It was, mm-hmm. you know terminated before it was complete and switched to a different path, which, you know, happens a lot in life. But that's true. maybe there's a part of your brain that's trying to uh, come to the end of it or something. Well, I've had a lot of different jobs, and I'll have dreams about some of them, and then others, never. So it's like there's certain jobs that just stick with you, like I managed a record store. I dream about that. I worked at the post office. I dream about that. I was a late-night music DJ. I dream about that. And then the other jobs, nothing. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've never really had a job, any of those kind of jobs, but I do have I do have cartoon dreams, uh-huh. you know, as I wrote about in the book. Um, and I can't remember. It was a, a Greek philosopher that was writing about dreams that said often... Um, a person will dream about that dreaming about your job. Like if you were a goat herd back then, you would dream about like goat herding type things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, dreaming about what you spend most of your time doing is, you know, I think that's probably pretty par for the course. That's Artemidorus, I think, who I'd never heard of. I believe that's your Greek. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Is he the one that wrote the Onio Critica? Yeah, that's the one. But, yeah. I, I like yeah. the the one where your son comes in and you're you're trying to, to make a cartoon and your son 
looks at you and you just have this just vacant look. Yeah, yeah, you're just thinking and, you know, you're kind of, uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time just kind of doing that and it must look strange to somebody from the outside, like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But uh, there's this uh, cartoonist, Bill Woodman for The New Yorker, wonderful cartoonist, and he called uh, the white piece of the blank sheet of paper, he called it the blazing island of white. Yeah. I think of that a lot. It's pretty wow. good. That is good. Well, Roz, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Roz. My guest has been Roz Chast. Her book is I Must Be Dreaming. You heard about it on the Book Nook, for the Book Nook. I'm Vic McCunis. <laughs>